Welcome to another episode of the Music from the Goddesses Vault podcast. I am your host, Midnight Star. I started out the show with Heidi Vogue and her Vebon Met. Rom- I hope I pronounced that correctly. Today's show is all about Roman paganism. First, some housekeeping. Please check out the blog, goddesswalt1.wexite.com forward slash home, if you haven't already. You can listen to the show from there. Plus, please share this podcast on the blog, the Music from the Goddesses Vault Facebook page, Instagram and Twitter at Goddess Vault, and TikTok at Midnight Star 2. That's Midnight Star with two R's and the number 2. I now turn to the topic of Roman paganism. Roman paganism can be interpreted in many different ways. Often, the Roman gods are also associated with the Greek gods, since the Romans adopted many of the Greek myths as their own. This form of paganism is quite fluid, as you can see, and it's very popular. Some people believe in the Roman gods, while others interpret them as metaphors for a real-life situation. This form of paganism can take many forms. In addition, I will discuss the ancient Roman festivals, as two of them are actually modern-day holidays. Furthermore, I may discuss how modern pagans follow this path. Let's get right to it. Here is a track called Auguries of Love by Omnia. Deep in the forest we reside. Enlightenment has opened our eyes. Snow lies sleeping round our cabin of felled trees. Like the wild ones, we seek shelter within them, like the wild ones, we seek shelter.
by the light of burning logs. Your notes throw shadows on your keys while you sit and play and sing. So free and so at ease. So free and so at ease.
that is right and should be so. Life was made for joy and woe. You are all aware that the word paganism comes from the Romans after most of them converted to Christianity. The word, however, was used as a derogatory term at the time for those who still worshipped the old gods. Before Rome was Christianized, the Greeks influenced their belief system. This was thanks to Alexander the Great. Their gods even resembled those of the Greeks. Here are some examples. Venus is Aphrodite's Roman counterpart. The god Zeus becomes the god Apollo. The goddess Hera is renamed Juno. It is Athena who becomes Minerva. Ares becomes Mars. Artemis becomes Diana. Dionysus becomes Bacchus. And there are more. Ancient Greek mythology influenced all of Roman mythology except for one. And that is the origin story of Romulus and Ramus. Another difference is the festivals. And Rome had some pretty interesting ones. I will give you a few examples, beginning with Lupercalia. This festival took place in February and lasted for six days. Lupercalia honored the she-wolf who raised Romulus and Ramus. This festival involved animal sacrifice and was sexually charged with men running around naked, whipping women with the skin of the sacrificed animal. Couples soon got together and later married. This is the origin of Valentine's Day as we know it today. A spring festival called Quincotura took place from March 19th to the 23rd. It was dedicated to Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. As part of this festival, Minerva's temple was consecrated on the first day. The West of Quincotera's days were like a circus that included women visiting fortune tellers. Vulcanalia is a summer festival that took place on August 23rd. It was dedicated to the fire god Vulcan. This festival included games, bonfires, and small animals were sacrificed by being thrown into the fire. Then there's Saturnalia. This festival took place from December 17th to the 23rd. It was held in honor of the god Saturn. Saturnalia was the most important festival in ancient Rome. Everyone stopped working during those days, so slaves were free. Role reversal occurred in which slaves become masters and masters became slaves. The streets were filled with singing, music, chariot races, and gambling. Pigs were sacrificed on the first day of Saturnalia. People decorated their homes with wreaths and received gifts. Historically, Saturnalia was one of the precursors to Christmas. Here's Fawn with Lupercalia.
for the spirit guide of the week. The dominant theme here is Roman paganism, so I thought I might talk about the goddess Venus. Everyone knows her as the goddess of love, beauty, passion, sex, fertility, fortune, and success. Venus is also the goddess of prostitution. In fact, she is the most popular deity in the Roman pantheon. There is even a planet named after her. A native Italian fertility goddess, she had no myth of her own. Therefore, the ancient Romans had her take on the role of the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Her most famous legend is that she was born in adult form in a seafoam from Caelius Uranus's damaged genitals. This myth is depicted in Botticelli's masterpiece, The Birth of Venus. Of course, she is well known for her countless sexual conquests. She was known by several epithets, including that of Venus Verticordia, who was tasked with protecting women's and girls' virginity. Venus can help you with your love life, gain prosperity, and fertility. That is it for now. Stay tuned for another Spirit Guide of the Week.
That was Venus and the Fly by Kiva. I will not discuss modern Roman paganism. After the fall of ancient Rome, the idea of rebuilding it has been around since the Renaissance. But by the way, the modern-day Roman pagans also call themselves religio romana. This could also be described as the Roman way of the gods. Rome's pre-Christian religion was known as religio romana. They would be more reconstructionist in the pagan spectrum because that is why they are attempting to achieve as nearly as possible, but with modern values in mind. As a result, I don't believe they would sacrifice animals. Among the most famous covens in religio romana are the Movimento Tradicional Romano or MTR and the Nova Roma, which was founded in 1998 in the United States and now has members all over the world. They are currently practicing their beliefs in private. They do so in order to establish a favorable relationship with their gods through communal devotion, rituals, oaths, and vows. However, practitioners of the religio romana would like to reinstate public religious ceremonies. The followers of the Roman way of the gods, on the other hand, are more than just religious and seek worldly dominion. They also follow the mystery traditions, which we pagans all know are concerned with our own spiritual development. Religio Romana is also divided into two groups: the reenactors and the reconstructionists. Reenactors are the ones who study history, and, as previously mentioned, they want to be as authentic to ancient beliefs as possible, but with a modern twist. The reconstructionists strive to reconstruct ancient Roman culture and adapt it to the modern world. I hope I didn't confuse you all. In any case, if you're interested in all things ancient Rome, you can certainly research it when you have the time. Let's listen to Danza Nova by Wolgamut.
Here's a dream symbol to interpret. In this week's dream symbol, there are three. They are inflatable mattress, inspection, and necklace. If you had a dream about inflating an air mattress, it implies you are investing too much effort into a one-sided relationship. If you have a dream about inflating an inflatable mattress in one breath, it indicates that you are highly ambitious. In your dreams, seeing or sleeping on an inflatable bed indicates that you are in a short circumstance or partnership. A dream concerning a house inspection indicates that you are coping with self and or body criticism. In dreams, a car inspection indicates that it is time to reassess your goals and how you plan to achieve them. Dreaming of a food inspection indicates that you should reconsider your support network. In dreams, necklaces usually show unfulfilled wishes. If you lose or break your necklace in your dreams, it means your rationality is being pushed aside by your emotional reasoning. And dreaming that the necklace is cursed indicates that you are unsure about a partnership. That is it for this week's dream symbol. If you want a dream for me to interpret and maybe have a dream symbol featured, the contact information will be mentioned at the end of the show. So keep dreaming.
Here's another myth. From worldoftales.com, here's another story. This tale is called Parsley, and it comes from Italy. This is one of those stories which that good soul, my uncle's grandmother, whom heaven take to glory, used to tell. And, unless I have put on my spectacles upside down, I fancy it will give you pleasure. There was, once upon a time, a woman named Pascadoza, and one day, when she was standing at her window, which looked into the garden of an ogress, she saw such a fine bed of parsley that she almost fainted away with desire for some. So when the ogress went out, she could not restrain herself any longer, but plucked a handful. The ogress came home and was going to cook her pottage when she had found someone had been stealing the parsley and said, Ill luck to me, but I'll catch this long-fingered rogue and make him repent it. I'll teach him to his cost that everyone should eat off his own platter and not meddle with other folks' cups. The poor woman went again and again down into the garden until one morning the ogress met her and in a furious rage exclaimed, I have caught you at last. You thief, you rogue, prithee, do you pay the rent of the garden that you come in this impudent way and steal my plants? By my faith, I'll make you do penance without sending you to Rome. Poor Pascadoza, in a terrible fright, made excuses, saying that neither from gluttony nor the craving of hunger had she been tempted by the devil to commit this fault, but from her fear lest her child should be born with a crop of parsley on his face. Words are but wind, answered the ogress. I am not to be caught with such prattle. Ye have closed the balance sheet of life, unless ye promise to give me the child, girl or boy, whichever it may be. The poor woman, in order to escape the pearl in which she found herself, swore with one hand upon the other to keep the promise, and so the ogress let her go free. But when the baby came, it was a little girl, so beautiful that she was a joy to look upon, who was named Parsley. The little girl grew from day to day until, when she was seven years old, her mother sent her to school. And every time she went along the street and met the ogress, the old woman said to her, Tell your mother to remember her promise. And she went on repeating this message so often that the poor mother, having no longer patience to listen to the refrain, said one day to Parsley, If you met the old woman as usual, and she reminds you of the hateful promise, answer her, take it. When Parsley, who dreamt of no will, met the ogress again and heard her repeat the same words, she answered innocently as her mother had told her. Whereupon the ogress, seizing her by her hair, carried her off to a wood which the horses of the sun never entered, not having paid the toll of the pastures of those shades. Then she put the poor girl into a tower which she caused to rise by her art, having neither gate nor ladder, but only a little window through which she ascended and descended by Parsley's hair, which was very long, just as sailors climbed up and down the mast of a ship. Now it happened one day, when the ogress had left the tower, the Parsley put her head out of the little window and let loose her tresses in the sun. And the son of a prince passing saw those two golden banners which invited all souls to enlist under the standard of beauty, and beholding with amusement amid those gleaming waves a face that enchanted all hearts. He fell desperately in love with such wonderful beauty, and sending her a memorial of sights, she decreed to receive him in favor. 
She told him her troubles and implored him to rescue her. But as gossip of the ogress was forever prying into things that did not concern her and poking her nose into every corner, overheard his secret and told the wicked woman to be on the lookout. For Parsley had been seen talking with a certain youth and she had her suspicions. The ogress thanked the gossip for the information and said that she would take good care to stop up the road. As to Parsley, it was, moreover, impossible for her to escape, as she had laid a spell upon her, so that unless she had in her hand the three gallnuts which were in a rafter in the kitchen, it would be labor lost to get away. Whilst they were thus talking together, Parsley, who stood with her ears wide open and had some suspicion of the gossip, overheard all that had passed. And when night had spread out her black garments to keep them from the moth, and the prince had come as they had appointed, she let her hair fall, he seized it with both hands, and cried, Draw up! When he was drawn up, she made him first climb on the rafters and find the gallnuts, knowing well what effect they would have as she had been enchanted by the ogress. Then, having made a rope ladder, they both descended to the ground, took to their heels, and ran off towards the city. But the gossip, seeing them come out, set up a loud, Hallo! and shouted and made such a noise that the ogress awoke. And seeing that Parsley had run away, she descended by the same ladder, which was still fastened to the window, and set off after the couple, who, when they saw her coming at their heels, faster than a horse let loose, gave themselves up for lost. But Parsley, recollecting the gallnuts, quickly threw one of the ground, and lo, Instantly, a Corsican bulldog started up. Oh, mother, such a terrible beast. With open jaws and barking loud, flew at the ogress as if to swallow her at a mouthful. But the old woman, who was more cunning and spiteful than ever, put her hand into her pocket, pulling out a piece of bread, gave it to the dog, which made him hang his tail and delay his fury. Then she turned to run after the fugitives again. But Parsley, seeing her approach, threw the second gallnut on the ground, and lo, a fierce lion arose, who, lashing the earth with his tail, and shaking his mane, and opening wide his jaw a yard apart, was just preparing to make a slaughter of the ogress, when, turning quickly back, she stripped the skin off an ass, which was grazing in the middle of a meadow, and ran at the lion, who, fancying it as a real jackass, was so frightened that he bounced away as fast as he could. The ogress, having leaped over the second ditch, turned again to pursue the poor lovers, who, hearing the clatter of her heels and seeing clouds of dust that rose to the sky, knew that she was coming again. But the old woman, who was every moment in dread lest the lion should pursue her, had not taken off the ass's skin. And when Parsley now threw down the third gallnut, there sprang a wolf, who, without giving the ogress time to play any new tricks, gobbled her up just as she was in the shape of a jackass. So Parsley and the prince, now freed from danger, slipped their way into the prince's kingdom, where, with his father's free consent, they were married. Thus, after all these storms of fate, they experienced the truth that, one hour in port, the sailor, freed from fear, forgets the temptress of a hundred years. Before the story started, you heard Thwathadea with Granny's Bedtime Tonic.
This concludes the show. Again, I'm your host, Midnight Star. If you have a suggestion for a song, show topic, spirit guide, or dream symbol, or simply want to like, share, or comment, you can do so on the Music from the Goddesses Vault Facebook page, goddessvault1.wixsite.com forward slash home, on TikTok at Midnight Star with two R's too, and on Instagram and Twitter at Goddess Vault. I'm going to leave you with Orbiting Jupiter by Three Weird Sisters. Blessed be. And I